If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I had always been a skeptic. Growing up, I scoffed at the idea of UFOs, laughed at ghost stories, and rolled my eyes at conspiracy theories. It was no surprise to anyone when I joined the police force, determined to bring some rationality to a world filled with wild tales and unexplained phenomena. My early days as a rookie cop were filled with mundane assignments, routine traffic stops, and the occasional domestic disturbance call. But everything changed when I received a call that would take me deep into the heart of the unknown. It was a crisp autumn morning when the call came in. I was stationed at the local police precinct, sipping on lukewarm coffee and trying to stay awake during yet another endless paperwork session. The voice on the other end of the radio belonged to Ranger Stevens, the head of a nearby national forest. He sounded anxious and out of breath as he relayed the message. We need assistance, he said, his voice trembling. We found something, something we can't explain. I exchanged bewildered glances with my fellow officers as I responded. We're on our way, Ranger Stevens. What's the situation? The answer was cryptic. Just get here as soon as you can. It's in the deep woods. We piled into a jeep, myself and three other officers. The atmosphere in the vehicle was tense. Our curiosity piqued by Ranger Stevens' unusual distress. 
We drove in silence, the dense forest canopy casting eerie shadows across the winding road. As we arrived at the designated spot, we spotted Ranger Stevens and two of his colleagues standing beside a massive black cadaver bag. The air was heavy with an unsettling stillness. I couldn't help but notice the bewildered expressions on their faces as they clutched the bag's handles. We approached cautiously, my heart pounding in my chest as I tried to prepare myself for whatever was inside that bag. Ranger Stevens, his face drained of color, finally spoke. We found this thing deep in the woods. It's not an animal. We don't know what it is. My fellow officers and I exchanged concerned glances before one of my colleagues, Officer Ramirez, asked, What do you mean? Not an animal. What is it? Ranger Stevens hesitated for a moment, his voice barely above a whisper. It looks like, like Bigfoot, but it has the face of a werewolf and brown skin. We don't know how to explain it. The words hung in the air like a chilling fog. None of us knew how to react. It sounded like the ramblings of a lunatic or the plot of a B-grade horror movie. Before we could press for more answers, the sound of approaching rotor blades shattered the silence. A black helicopter descended from the sky, and the emblem of the CIA was unmistakable. Out stepped a group of operatives dressed in all black tactical gear. One of them, a stern-faced man with a shaved head, approached us. Step aside, officers, he ordered, his tone brooking no argument. We'll take it from here. We watched in a mix of awe and confusion as the CI operatives carefully loaded the massive cadaver bag onto their chopper. The bag was secured with heavy chains, as though whatever was inside posed a significant threat. As the helicopter rose into the sky and disappeared among the treetops, I turned to my fellow officers. We were all stunned, our disbelief and curiosity matched only by the profound uncertainty of what we had just witnessed. In the days and weeks that followed, the incident in the deep woods became a whispered legend among us. We never received any official explanation, and the CIA operatives had vanished as mysteriously as they had arrived. I found myself questioning everything I had once believed about the world, realizing that there were mysteries out there that defied explanation. I may have started my career as a skeptic, but that day in the National Forest had shown me that the world was a far stranger and more enigmatic place than I had ever imagined. And as I continued my work in the police force, I couldn't help but wonder what other secrets it might hold. About ten years ago, there was four of us walking through the woods local to us. To get to the best entrance to the woods, you have to walk through a crematorium. There was me, Thomas, Lisa, and Alice, and we had planned to go camping in the woods. We had been camping in these woods on many occasions. I had a very easy-going mum, so the parents of the other three would call my mum to ask if we was having a sleepover at my house. My mom been nice said yes. We were all 13 at the time. We was walking through the woods to where we normally camped, and on the way there we walked past a man with an axe. He didn't speak, just stared us out. We walked on and just brushed it off. The night went on as you would expect, having fun trying to drink and not be sick and just have a laugh with friends. We went in the tent to go to sleep about 3 a.m., about twenty minutes later, we heard what sounded like trees been axed down. The sound echoed around the woods and made us all alert. This went on for about five minutes then, as soon as it stated it finished. Thomas joked about the man with the axe, and Alice got rather upset with him. Time had passed, and just as we were about to go to sleep, we heard footsteps. They were circling around our tent. We all sat up in shock and started to, to panic. We heard logs of wood been dropped outside our tent. We could feel the wood as it struck the floor. We gained the courage to look out of the tent and as well peered out. He was there, sat on the floor, staring into the tent as we opened it. We all bailed and ran as fast as we could from them woods. All this time, we never heard him talk. Ten years on, none of us have ever stepped foot near them woods again. This was probably six or seven years ago that this happened, but I do often think about it. 
So one day I was just having a little me time before work and felt like running inside this fast food place to sit down and have lunch. As I'm in line waiting to order an older man around 50s or 60s, I'm like 20, 3 or 20, 4 mind you, walks up kinda close and starts chatting, asking me what my fave dessert was at that restaurant. I was being nice and said I liked the chocolate cake. Then he asks if I'm from around here, to which I just nodded and said yeah. He stated he lived way out in the woods, and I just nodded and kind of started to ignore him while it was my turn to order. I ordered my food and it came up quickly, so I took my tray to a table by a window. I had forgotten about the guy at this point and got up to get condiments and stuff. When I got back to my seat, I saw that he was at the table just in front of me facing towards me, just staring at me with his food in front of him. I got a bad vibe and moved to the other side of my table so I wouldn't have to face him. I then realized I forgot to get something at the condiment area and got up to go over there. As I foolishly walked past the creepy man's table, he looked up at me and said, You don't have to sit alone. Yeah, no. I looked at him and said, I'm fine. I want to be alone and continued to get what I was getting. When I walked back, I went around the other way so I didn't go past his table again. I ate quickly, not even sure I finished because I was just weirded out. I could feel him just staring at the back of my head at this point. So I just got my tray and got up to throw it away and leave. As I walked past his table again, had to walk past to get to the garbage cans, he looked up and creepily smiled and said, Hey, well, it was nice to meet you, and I just threw a dirty look and walked quickly away. I left and kind of sprinted to my car to make sure he wasn't following me. I mean, maybe his intentions weren't bad, but I kept getting a weird vibe. I think about it often, like maybe he was genuinely looking for someone to chat with. I was just looking to eat and chill without being bothered, so maybe I could have been too rude. So there I was, stationed in Afghanistan during the years of 2011 and 2012. It was a tense time as we constantly monitored the predator feeds, eagerly anticipating the start of our shift and the missions that lay ahead. Little did I know that this particular day would bring forth a series of events that would leave us all in awe and disbelief. As we watched the feeds, our attention was immediately captured by the sight of a motorcycle speeding through the rugged Afghan terrain. It carried three individuals, one of whom had a bag over their head, facing backward. Instantly, a wave of concern washed over us, as we realized we were witnessing a kidnapping unfold right before our eyes. We braced ourselves, fearing the worst, witnessing a fellow human being meet a tragic end. The motorcycle came to a halt near a cluster of trees, breaking the illusion of Afghanistan as a desert landscape perpetuated by the media. The captors led the hooded figure out of their sight, and he was forced to kneel on the ground. Time seemed to slow down as we anxiously awaited the next moments, filled with dread and helplessness. But to our astonishment, Instead of carrying out a gruesome act, the captors unexpectedly lifted the hooded man back onto the bike. Confusion mingled with relief as we watched them speed towards the nearest town, our anticipation mounting. As they arrived in the heart of the town, our anxiety peaked once more. The motorcycle screeched to a halt and the captors pushed the man against a wall. What could their intentions be? Our minds raced with speculation, fearing the worst. Then something utterly unexpected unfolded before our eyes. A seemingly ordinary ice cream cart was pushed into view. The captors removed the hood, revealing the face of the kidnapped man. To our amazement, they handed him the ice cream cart, transforming him from a victim to an unexpected purveyor of frozen treats. As if scripted, the once captive man began moving through the town, selling ice cream to the locals. Confusion swept through our ranks mirroring the disbelief we felt within ourselves. The situation had taken a surreal turn, leaving us questioning our assumptions and perceptions of the world around us. I was just 20 years old when this extraordinary incident occurred, 
right here in Sao Paulo State, Brazil. It was the year 2017, and my friend Thiago invited me to spend a day at his father's place, located just outside de Curindai, MG. Excited for a new adventure, I accepted his invitation, and together we embarked on an unforgettable journey. We arrived at Thiago's father's house on a beautiful Saturday morning. The day unfolded splendidly, filled with laughter, good food, and enjoyable activities. We relished a mouth-watering barbecue, took refreshing swims, savored delicious fruits, and engaged in meaningful conversations. Later in the day, we even lent a helping hand to Thiago's father as he pruned some trees. It was a truly enjoyable and bonding experience. As the sun began to set and darkness veiled the surroundings, around 8 p.m., Thiago's father requested that we leave. With his old-fashioned Fiorino pickup truck, we embarked on our journey back. Thiago and I settled in the bucket seats with our backs to the rear window, gazing backward as the truck moved along. We had covered about a kilometer when Thiago's father slowed down to pass through a tunnel. Suddenly, we noticed a towering black figure rapidly approaching from behind. Initially, I thought it was a large dog, its eyes gleaming in the darkness. In that moment, confusion and fear engulfed us, and we exchanged bewildered comments about the mysterious creature. It stood on the precipice, resembling a person, gazing intently in our direction from a distance of approximately 40 to 50 meters. The encounter left us utterly terrified and perplexed. As we locked eyes with the creature, it swiftly shifted back onto all fours and descended the ravine, heading towards the road. It reached the roadside with remarkable speed, bounding across the entire width of the road and leaping into the opposite ravine. Theago exclaimed, That's a werewolf! To our astonishment, the werewolf continued to pursue us, mirroring our path through the woods. Leaves and branches were sent flying, the snapping of twigs resonated through the air, and we glimpsed the creature maneuvering effortlessly among the trees. Thiago urged his father to accelerate, revealing that something was relentlessly tailing us. The father inquired, What is it? To which Thiago responded, I think it's a werewolf. Finally, we arrived at a river and crossed a narrow bridge. Strangely, the werewolf did not follow us across the river, but remained on the riverbank, steadfastly watching our departure until it disappeared from sight at the bend in the road. This encounter shattered my disbelief in the existence of werewolves, despite hearing stories from my parents and grandparents. From that day forward, I have been apprehensive about venturing into the countryside at night, harboring a newfound respect for the unknown. The memory that etched itself most deeply in my mind was the creature's astounding leap, effortlessly traversing the road from one side to the other. Reflecting on the incident, I realized that had it not been for the river, that ferocious werewolf might have pounced onto the Fiorino Uno, eager to seize us. Now I cautiously avoid nighttime journeys to the countryside, mindful of the cryptids and mythical creatures that may lurk beyond the safety of the city's embrace. In Thailand, we have a territorial defense force where it's pretty much the national reserves. Most do it to get away from the draft, though. This event happened last year during my first time at the camp, so we are at a three-day camp at the training base in Kanchanaburi province called Kai, literally translating to Chicken Crash Mountain. They say it used to be a battlefield where the Siamese and the Burmese clash all the time centuries ago, and that it's haunted as F. On either the first or the second night, I couldn't remember. I was picked for the graveyard shift duty. 1 a.m., 3 a.m. to patrol around our sleeping quarters. Others had a stationary place to guard, the front entrance, back entrance, toilets, armory, etc. Me and my partner walked around the camping grounds around three times and both agreed that we should sit down and rest for a while. We went to sit at the front entrance, which was just a paved road, with the other side being a dense forest with a small walkway that would lead to a restaurant area around 200 meters away to its right. 
Just so you know, the camping grounds were surrounded by dense forests, which we call pacha, slow jungle, which are always places where supernatural stuff reside and scary as hell because they're just thick jungles that no one has been in. During our quiet rest at the paved road, I heard a sound of a person walking, not just on the pavement or the restaurant area, but in the pacha on the other side of the road. I told myself that it's just a dog or a restaurant owner that wants to take a piss at 2 a.m., but deep inside I knew that the restaurants were towards a different direction and there were barely any stray dogs in this camp. The footsteps were just pacing around, wandering endlessly in a very dense jungle. In most of the countries in SAE, we have a tradition to not draw attention to supernatural things, so I asked my friend, who was stationed at the front entrance, if he could hear anything he said. No. Just to clarify, I asked him again. After the camp, he said he could hear footsteps, but he thought it was the wind. The sound of someone stepping and walking through what sounded like knee-height grass, along with the sight of a dark, dense, spooky forest, just sizzles my spine. I told my partner we should go for one last patrol and hand it over to the guys on the 3-5 a.m. shift. But honestly, I just wanted to get out of there. Sucks for the front entrance guards. The next day, we had night training, and the drill sergeants told us it sounds like horse galloping, digging elephant footsteps, swords clashing and sharpening, in the Pai Cha were to be ignored and never to be investigated. I never got closure on what that sound really was. I'll be there again in a few months, though. Hope I don't find anything like this again. It was another one of my bear hunting adventures, and I had just finished cleaning a massive black bear I had taken down. The sun was beginning to set, casting an eerie glow over the dense forest. The air was thick with the earthy scent of pine and anticipation. As I meticulously prepared the bear, my ears caught a distant sound. It started as a low, haunting howl that echoed through the trees. The hair on the back of my neck stood on end and a shiver ran down my spine. Timber wolves. Their mournful cries seemed to fill the entire forest, sending a chilling sensation down my spine. Just as I was about to shake off the uneasiness and pack up my gear, something caught my eye. Glancing at the trail camera I had set up earlier, my heart skipped a beat. There it was, a chilling image captured by the camera. A timber wolf stood tall and proud, its eyes shining with an untamed wildness. But that wasn't all. Right beside it, standing on two legs like a bipedal creature, was a dogman. The sight sent a surge of fear through me as if something primal within me recognized the danger. The dogman's presence so close to where I'd been just twenty minutes ago made my skin crawl. It was an encounter that defied explanation, leaving me unnerved and filled with a mixture of curiosity and dread. It was a crisp autumn morning and I found myself scouting a riverbank alongside my brother-in-law, eager to discover potential duck-hunting spots. The sun's golden rays filtered through the trees, casting a warm glow on the surrounding landscape. Little did I know that this peaceful excursion would soon take an unexpected turn. As we ventured deeper into the wilderness, our eyes scanning the horizon for signs of waterfowl, we began to notice peculiar markings on the ground. Bear sign. A mix of excitement and caution filled the air, for black bears were known to be elusive creatures. Yet curiosity propelled us forward, and we pressed on hoping to catch a glimpse of one of these magnificent creatures. It wasn't long before our attention was drawn to a nearby oxbow, a potential haven for ducks. Anxious to assess its suitability as a hunting spot, we cautiously made our way towards it. However, our eagerness soon gave way to astonishment and a primal sense of fear. Standing about fifty to sixty yards away in all its towering glory, was the biggest black Bigfoot I'd ever personally laid eyes upon. Its presence was awe-inspiring, and I couldn't help but feel a mixture of wonder and trepidation. 
Time seemed to stand still as we locked eyes with this enigmatic creature. Sensing our presence, the Bigfoot appeared nonchalant, showing no overt interest in our company. Yet an unspoken understanding passed between us. We were unarmed, vulnerable in the face of such raw power. Had it chosen to close the distance, it could have done so with ease. The realization sent a chill down my spine. In that moment, we knew that our best course of action was to retreat slowly, step by cautious step, without turning our backs. Our hearts raced as we walked in reverse, our eyes never leaving the formidable figure before us. The Bigfoot, seemingly unbothered by our presence, remained stationary, a silent sentinel observing our retreat. Finally, with a mix of relief and gratitude, we reached a safe distance. The creature made no attempt to pursue us, choosing instead to vanish into the dense forest. It was a surreal encounter. Coconino National Forest in Arizona stretches across a vast expanse, its beauty mingling with the whispers of ancient legends. Deep within the woods where the light battles to penetrate the thick foliage, stories of peculiar cryptids have been whispered for generations. Stories of dogmen, elusive Bigfoot, and eerie crawlers lurking in the shadows. It is in this mysterious realm that our story unfolds. Meet Hillary, a young park ranger whose name was given to her by a father who harbored an irrational disdain for Hillary Clinton. Abandoned by her father, she forged her own path and found solace in the wild. Assigned to a remote watchtower, nestled deep in the heart of the Coconino Forest, Hillary spends her nights scanning the wilderness, alert for any signs of danger. One fateful night, as the moon bathes the forest in its pale glow, a distress call crackles through the radio. A lost hiker pleads for assistance, disoriented in the labyrinthine trail. Hillary, ever dutiful, guides him back to safety, her heart pounding with a mix of relief and concern. But their journey takes an unexpected turn when they stumble upon an abandoned cabin hidden amongst the towering trees. Curiosity tinged with unease, they cautiously step inside, their flashlights cutting through the gloom. Their breath catches in their throats as they discover the... Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. The lifeless form of a police officer clutching a journal in his hand. The pages filled with trembling handwriting reveal a harrowing tale. The officer's account of the gruesome discovery of ten bodies near the cabin. The corpses stripped of flesh bear the marks of a predator that devoured them to the core. Fear creeps into their hearts, tendrils of unease coiling around their minds. They step outside, drawn by morbid curiosity, to where the first body was found. Illuminated by the moon's ethereal light, they inspect the bones, haunted by the macabre scene. Suddenly, a branch snaps, the sound echoing through the silence of the forest. 
They turn in unison, eyes wide with trepidation. Above them looms a creature, towering and monstrous, a figure reminiscent of the Bigfoot, but far angrier and stronger. Without warning, it pounces upon the hapless hiker, his screams piercing the night. Hillary, her instincts kicking in, throws herself to the side, narrowly evading the creature's wrath. Desperation floods her senses as she fumbles for her firearm. The first shot reverberates through the air, followed by five more, each one hitting its mark. But the beast seems impervious to the bullets. It's hide impenetrable. With each failed attempt to halt the creature's rampage, Hillary watches in horror as it ends the hiker's life, leaving only the hollow shell of what once was. Suddenly, the creature turns its attention towards the park ranger, its primal growls echoing with a bone-chilling ferocity. A shiver of terror courses through Hillary's veins, but she stands her ground, the gun trembling in her hands. With an enigmatic growl, the creature retreats, vanishing into the depths of the forest, leaving behind a trail of blood and dread. Scared and shaken, Hillary hastily reaches for her radio, her voice quivering as she calls for backup. At dawn, a team arrives, a mixture of police and search and rescue personnel. Together, they comb the area, only to discover the grisly truth. In lifeless bodies, exactly as Hillary had described, but their response is met with skepticism, their belief in the fantastical tale waning. Haunted by the night's harrowing events, Hillary finds herself alone in her conviction, left to grapple with the horrors she witnessed. The truth, like the enigmatic creatures that haunt the Coconino National Forest, remains obscured, buried beneath layers of disbelief and fear. But within her, the echoes of that dreadful night continue to resonate forever shaping her perception of the wilderness she once loved. Just the other night, I came home to find one of my mounts had fallen from the wall. Later that night, my IR sensor came unglued from the same wall and fell off. At the time this happened, no one was home, and the AC heat was off. I built the house new and moved in about five months ago. The mount was one of the first thing I hung on the wall. It hangs on a half drywall screw, which was still solid in the wood plank wall backed by three-quarters plywood. About twelve feet from the floor, on an interior wall. The bracket on back of the mount was also good. A little creepy. We got to where the first thing we do when we get home is to see if the mount is still on the wall. Not sure if I believe in ghosts, but I have several stories that make me believe there is something going on in the background. I have on several occasions had weird, unexplained experiences in several different places. After a while makes you start questioning yourself. I was camping in upstate New York a week after two prisoners escaped. This was a high notoriety escape and was national news. My girlfriend and I had hiked and camped for two days before this. We were very comfortable, had met a lot of awesome people, but everyone was on alert of the escapees. We had settled in in a remote area upstate New York with no one around that night. I was sound asleep that night. At 5.30 a.m. I had started to awake, but stayed in my tent, not trying to awake, but to maybe go back to sleep for an hour or two. Not long after I was awake did I hear rustling in the woods around our campsite. At first it was a few rustles which caught my attention, but not enough to be alarmed. Suddenly the rustles are right outside her tent, and I am on edge. Before I could even tap my girlfriend, all hell breaks loose. My tent is slashed open with a knife while I am watching. My heart almost went through my throat. Before I knew what was happening, I was being piled driven into the ground by men with guns. Thankfully, I had noticed in the seconds that the men had police armor on. I started screaming out my name, my address, my social security number, everything. My girlfriend was even jumped on and forcefully subdued while she was sleeping. Once everyone's adrenaline calmed down, we showed our eyes and proved we were just camping. 
It was one of the scariest moments of my life, and also for the police officers that subdued us. Turns out we were not far from where they were just spotted, and the police hadn't come across anyone in days. They had thought for sure they had come upon the escapees' camp. Two deputy sheriffs believe that they have seen a tall, dark figure just outside the city limits of Oceanside, California. They both stated that they were viewing this creature standing on the other side of an eight-foot tall chain-link fence. The officers state they saw it moving its head back and forth as if looking around at the area. This is when one of the deputies decides to go get his light for more illumination. When he returned, he says that whatever it was on the other side of the fence had moved off into some bushes out of sight range, leaving him with no idea of what he had just witnessed. Another sighting comes from two teenagers who were driving alongside Beach Boulevard in Oceanside on the 14th. They spotted what they thought was a bear on the side of the road, but this soon proved to be incorrect. One of the teens stated that he got out his light shined it at the thing, only to find that there were no eyes. This is when they both ran back to their car and took off in fear, not wanting to see any more. During November of 2012, there had also been numerous UFO sightings all across California. Could these so-called sightings be related somehow? People are always reporting strange lights over cities here in America. What makes these reports any different? What do you think about all these weird happenings taking place today? Is this some sort of warning or sign for humans, or are people simply making these up because we're desperate for attention? They went on to mention that there were several people that had filed reports of tall, dark figures in the area. They also stated that they were not sure if these incidents were connected, but it seems highly possible since they occurred on the same day. Now, our final report comes from yet another deputy from Graham County, Arizona. He states that while he was on duty around 3 in the morning, he heard a very strange noise coming from outside this location. When he went to investigate what the sound could have been, he says there was a tall, dark figure standing out there in front of him, near an old abandoned meat facility. What makes this sighting even more interesting is that this site was surrounded by open fields and little else. There is no way possible for somebody to hide out there. So what was this thing doing, just standing there, staring at the deputy? When asked why he didn't do anything to apprehend it or even fire upon it, he said that he felt paralyzed with fear. He claims that his mind was telling him one thing, but his body would simply not listen. This is when he went back inside the building, calling for backup. When other deputies arrived on location, they could find no sign of any type of activity taking place. There were also no footprints found near the fence line or anywhere else throughout the dirt road leading up to where this creature had been seen standing. Imagine living in a world where you fear everything around you. You never know if something is lurking in the shadows or waiting for its next victim. Those are the people who have to live with this kind of anxiety all the time. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to live in a world where every dark corner could hold some unseen danger? What if there was something out there that was watching every move, hiding when needed, only to return once again when you'd least expect it to strike without any warning? These are just some questions that many individuals could ask themselves whenever they hear stories about strange sightings taking place somewhere in or near their own city. Every day, somebody else is coming forward, claiming that they have seen something out of this world or not quite human in appearance. Whether these claims are true or not is anybody's guess at this point. But what if one day, whatever is hiding in the shadows decides that we are not the ones who should be living on this planet anymore? That is a very deep and creepy thought to ponder about during one's downtime. Hopefully, these stories of strange encounters will just turn out to be lurking in the shadows and not actually be true. Lived in Germany for many years while my father was stationed there, United States Army. We lived off base in private housing and I loved it. That country is amazing. The vast forests, the mountains, the countryside, the farmlands, the little towns, everything. 
I quickly became really good friends with some local boys whose parents owned the town's dairy farm. We were always in the forest running around and exploring, fishing, playing army, etc. I was around eight or nine years old around that time, 37 now. One night stayed late at the farm, hanging with the guys. Left about nine or teenish. It was dark, but the moonlight gave pretty good vision that night, I remember. I lived just across the soccer field in a small cornfield from the farm. As I'm walking through the soccer field, I see a bit of movement, just real quick from the corner of my eye along the tree line at the edge of the field. I quickly step up a pace. As I turn to take my usual path through the cornfield to my house, I see at least half a dozen silhouette figures emerge from each side of the rows of corn on the sides of the path. I froze so hard, they just stand there. Then there's one behind me. Before I can snap around and haul ass, he asked in German, where I was going, I turn around now and what I see surprises, but relieves me also. I answered in English and told him I was heading home. He was then curious about my English. Turns out it was a team of special forces operators. I mean, these guys were decked out in so much tactical gear I couldn't comprehend how they were able to move so stealthily. Night vision goggles, packs, bags, weapons. There was even a dog. They looked like total badasses who were using these small towns off base to do some training. I just happened upon them this particular night. I'll never understand why they chose to break cover and show themselves. They could have easily just stayed put, and I would have walked right by them none wiser. They walked me home as it was on their way back, they said. Started off creepy for me, but it was actually pretty cool. An experience I will never forget that's always stuck with me. Cheers! Most skinwalker sightings occur in the United States, but I have heard a few allegedly true stories of similar shape-shifting entities here in India. I have heard stories from my grandfather and my mother's grandfather about their encounters to be exact. Here I'll narrate my mother's grandpa's. Let's call him John. Story. It happened in the 50s, and in those days the population of the area we live in was quite low. So adjacent villages were pretty far from each other, and the main mode of transport was horses. One evening after sunset, he was returning home on his horse, on a very lonely road. There was nothing but farmland and trees on both sides as far as he could see. Suddenly, in the distance, he saw a large white lamb baby, goat-like animal, just standing in the middle of the road facing him. There were a lot of jackals in the area, so John took pity and decided to carry the lamb or goat home along with him. He approached it and picked it up and placed it on his horse such that the animal was in front of him on its side with its legs dangling across either side of the horse. It must have been a half an hour after that when it was getting a little dark that John heard scratching noises coming from the below. He looked and saw that the legs of the animal had seemingly grown so long that they were literally rubbing across the road as they were moving. He got so scared that he just it threw across the road and quickly ran away on his horse. But that didn't end there when he was close to his home, but still not inside the village. He saw a disgusting-looking woman on the side of the road who started running alongside him. She was begging him to let him on the horse continuously. She ran away when human settlement came into view. John got high fever after the incident and was on his bed for a few days. He is now very old and himself told me this story. I think whatever he saw pretty much matches the qualities of a skinwalker. What do you guys think? When I was 20, four years old, I drove all around the South End in Georgia, United States of America, in a hearse. I was used to driving in the forest for miles on end, with no contact with anyone else. The only comfort I had was the radio. I liked it even if it was mostly country rock and stupid love songs. 
It was around 11 p.m. and I was on this long stretch of road that I don't think anyone has been on for decades. By that point, I had been driving down this road for two hours and it looked like there was no sign I was anywhere close to reaching the end. Soon enough, I had to take a leak, so I stopped the car and hopped out. I was, and am a big dude. I think I was around 190 pounds. I have lost a lot of weight since then, but anyhow, I started peeing in the creek, and when I was done, I headed back for my car, but then I heard something. I darted my head back and saw this strange animal. It had red tentacles surrounding its mouth and this great big fangs with a strange green bubbly liquid oozing out. The rest of the body was mostly a dark yellow apart from the red dots on its back, seemingly in a random pattern. It had slimly skin like a frog and had the eyes of one too. It had a tadpole-like tail, but the strangest part were its legs. It only had two, and I don't mean it had two legs and arms. No, it just had two legs with large claws on them, and the ankles were raised like a goat, but they had a large spike sticking out of them like a dew claw. It was making these awful, heavy, pig-like noises. It sounded like it just ran a marathon and the green ooze didn't help. I froze for a good three seconds, and it did too. It had its legs spread like it was in a power stamp. Once I snapped out of it, I bolted for my hearse and sped out of there. I didn't stay long enough. It'd see if it was chasing me or not. So that's my story. I know the idea of a two-legged creature doesn't make sense because all vertebrates are known for their four legs and it couldn't have been an invertebrate, that's for sure. So please, if you have any idea on what I saw, please let me know. This all happened in 2016, if that helps. I was 12. Me and my father scouted the area several times. I had on first-generation electric socks and insulated coveralls. It was four in the morning on a heavily traveled deer path, and we both found great spots in the heavy snow, downwind of the path and concealed. I fell, back, asleep. My sock batteries died, and my sweaty feet froze to my boots, and my ass froze to the ground because I had a hot ass, and it melted the snow, which then refroze. A sound behind me woke me up, and I turned around. A large doe's butt was about two feet from my face, and I reacted by yelling shit because I was an ill-behaved and heavily armed child. All I saw after that was a white tail popping up in my face and some pains to my torso. As you can tell, I'm still traumatized 50 years later. I don't deer hunt anymore. Ho! Finally got that off my chest. In 2002, I had just responded to a call outside of Glendale, Rhode Island. We were called to the area because a hunter had been chased by what he believed was a large bat humanoid. Its face and eyes looked like a ball about two inches across, very bright and seemed to be grinning at him with sharp teeth. The wings did not flap, but somehow glided away from the man who was still standing in amazement at what he just saw. It flew off into the trees and never came back out. I searched for over an hour, trying to find this creature without success. I heard no other sightings since then either. There is a bit of hunting that goes on in the area throughout the year. Officer B, who will remain anonymous for this report, indicates that it wasn't something that could have easily been explained. They are very hesitant to share their full encounter due to ridicule. However, Officer B did describe the creature and did not indicate that it seemed to be something that could have easily been misidentified as any known animal. Officer B also indicated that there was a constant stream of hunters in this area during the time of the search, but no other reports were noted for this specific area. At the time, Officer B did state that they had heard stories from other officers regarding strange sightings and experiences with various large bat-like creatures all around Glendale, Rhode Island over the course of several years dating back prior to 2002. Of note, Officer B has indicated that they are considered by some members of law enforcement as reliable witnesses due to their hard-earned reputation. 
for truth reporting of facts associated with their profession. This creature's sighting remains unexplained. Officer B stated that they have seen other reports in the area and has indicated similar sightings in the general area, though no other locations in Glendale match these reports. There's also a note that a man by the name of John Burglary was doing some work in a cemetery in Glendale. He claims to have seen a large creature in one section of the cemetery back in 1984. He described it as demonic, tall, black, with large wings. He claimed that it flew directly over his head and believed it came from a portal from hell. He equates its size to be roughly eight feet tall if standing. Though this report isn't specific to Glendale, I did extensive research for any type of flying humanoid report from all around the area, and only three, including Officer B's sightings, popped up. All other similar sightings I located were across the country, not limited to southern New England. Officer B later sent me an email indicating that there have been other strange incidents prior to their own sighting. Two years previously, a local youth had been severely mauled by something he described as a big hairy thing with wings. No other reports came out from the area regarding the incident, and the boy was never interviewed or heard from again. Although I think a large part of that is the media jumping in to shut that down before the public got word and began to mass panic, Officer B indicated that it appeared to them that law enforcement was trying their best not to mention the incident to the public. At one point or another, government officials had stepped in and took control over the case. Officer B had also contacted me later, indicating that they had also spoken to a retired officer who said they were involved in an incident where one of their colleagues was attacked by something very large and unidentified. This was after responding to a call in the same general vicinity. This is likely what led them to investigate further when they received the initial hunter's report. I'm aware of several areas across New England and the world that have on occasion had incidents like these. There's usually some kind of game or animal to blame, though what is described by Officer B doesn't appear to be anything like an owl or other known species of flying animal. As always, I welcome any further information regarding this type of report. If you have experienced similar events, feel free to contact me. I am also looking for input from individuals who are interested in real research and would enjoy being involved with a group working together on finding explanations for currently unexplained mysteries across New England and beyond. Officer B, whose name will be kept confidential to protect their employment and identity status, also indicated that immediately following the sightings, there had been government officials reporting the same thing, documented as looking like a big person with wings. Other than a few hunters who claim they've seen something large and unidentified flying around at night, nothing has been said about the incident. It is assumed that law enforcement will follow up with further investigation if they can confirm something was actually sighted that evening near Glendale. But since we are relying largely on bureaucracy, I wouldn't hold my breath.